exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on the Impact 89FM. I am Scott, host of the Spartan Sports Wrap. Pavel sitting across from me back as always. How you doing, Pavel? I'm all right. It's been a it's been a long and interesting day. That's what you said. You've got a lot of a lot of schoolwork going on. A lot of no no school out, outside projects. Yeah, I, I had an exam today. That's all. That that and would some... that would fall under the schoolwork yeah. category a little bit. Anyway, let's talk sports. All right, we can talk sports. I was going to ask you how your Valentine's Day was, but you know that's cool. We'll just jump in. You don't you don't want to disclose that information on air. No. Caught, caught you off guard, I know. It's alright. The other thing that happened on Valentine's Day was also, is All-Star, NBA All-Star Weekend. You know, I always feel bad, well, I used to not feel so bad, because we never give the NBA any love on this show. I mean, we never, we never talk about it. Got, got to it for about, uh, 40 seconds last week, I think. I jumped in. But, you know, I've been watching a little bit more of it, and I'm, you know, it's not, it's not terrible to watch. The, I I enjoy the team game. I that's why I enjoy college basketball. But you can't deny the skill in the NBA. Like those the players are just ridiculous. And that that's what I love. I love watching a matchup where you have like Kobe versus LeBron. I love seeing the top tier players play just because they are so impressive. And with the All-Star weekend, that's what we got. That was exactly what it was. They had the best players in the league playing against each other. And not not just the All-Star game. That was great last night. You said you were very impressed with it. And I know you're not you're not a huge NBA fan, Pavel. And I watched everything the whole weekend. I mean, uh Comcast was running a deal they got the NBA TV, which was fun to watch Eric Snow and uh Steve Smith are commentators on there, two former Spartans. So it's fun to watch that, watched all the uh press conferences and the practices and things like that, but you know, it was it was a really good show of the nba this whole weekend now what what was your favorite we, we had let's see the shooting stars competition the the playstation skills the slam dunk the three-point shootout uh the horse or should i say geico and then the all-star game um well i didn't see any of that oh jeez. i actually don't i haven't seen any footage of anything I thought you, I was, you were just saying you were yeah, impressed with I, I the... I was in a cave all weekend until oh, Sunday when it was time for the All-Star game. Okay. And I actually didn't watch the All-Star game. I watched uh, like maybe five minutes of it. But I watched the in, in the intro, the open. And it <laughs> it was, a, like you said, it was a show. And I was impressed, actually. It was like a full-fledged production with these like... People with the white masks it's the on the Jabberwockies. People, people don't realize that was the dance group, the Jabberwockies. They won America's Best Dance Crew season one. I watched it; they were amazing then. And that—that's who for all those people. And I felt bad. The the commentators for the show for TNT called them the Waka Jabbies and called them every different thing. It's the Jabberwockies. They deserve some credit. They were they were awesome. And of course, and they brought Shaq. in Shaq. Big man's got some moves. I'm telling you, I saw the whole introduction for the before the All Star game, and that was impressive. And the whole video tron right behind them, and you know, the Western Conference All Stars, the starters, they were just standing there. When they announced the Eastern Conference All Stars, the starters, you know, they did, they did a little move, did a little dance move. You know, they were having fun, and the West was just just standing there, kind of unimpressed, kind of bored. That is true. But, I mean, for those of you that didn't see it, like we were talking, they had the breakdancing group. They had two DJs working, and they had the Jabberwockies, a breakdancing group from California, come out. And then when Shaq was announced, he came out and actually danced with them, not just a little bit, like shake it a couple times and move. He actually had had a mask with them and went through a whole scripted dance. And he, for being, how how big is Shaq? He's got to be, what, seven seven one three. Enter in a couple digits after that, probably close to 350, and he can pop and lock. He can pop and lock it. I I was I was very impressed with that. And it was, I mean, he actually looked like a dancer. 
And that that's scary for a man that big. Yeah, I, I really didn't know how much of that was scripted because I, I think they the cameras, you know, they were following him, but they expected him to just, you know, walk Well, I think and it was scripted it. with the dance group, not necessarily. I don't think TNT knew about it, but it looked like the guys up on stage, the dancers were moving along and acting. Let's see, 71325 is what Shaq's listed as. He's probably a little bit bigger than that because he's he's got, he's he's a big boy. But it was impressive. And then, of course, he comes out, and he didn't disappoint. Played The game was in Phoenix, All-Star Weekend. Everything everything basketball-related happened in Phoenix this weekend, <laughs> essentially. I mean, there's there are some other extracurricular things going on there. But Shaq comes out. He didn't start. And he comes off the bench, and he scored. Let's see, now I have to go back here. He scored 17 points. He missed his very first shot. And then hit eight in a row after that. Granted, most of them were dunks, but he was getting into it. Like he was putting on a show the entire time. And there was one play where Dwight Howard was guarding him, and like he Shaq ran a clear out play, and which so he's standing out at the three point line, one on one, Shaq versus Dwight Howard, and Howard's just laughing about it, and he doesn't think he's gonna make a move. Bounces the ball, passes it through Howard's legs to Chris Paul. And then runs a give and go and just slams it home. It was probably the play of the game. I mean, there were there were a lot of great plays, a lot of good dunks and everything. But I mean, the big man, he was just having fun, and he gets rewarded by winning the MVP. And I mean, it was a shared MVP. It was ironic, both him and Kobe Bryant were named the MVP. And there's a long history there. There are tons of stories leading up to the game about how uh, it was the first time that. Kobe, Shaq, and Phil Jackson, the coach, were going to be reunited on the court playing all for the same team since Shaq was a Laker, since they won their last championship. And I, th- I thought it was fitting that Kobe, who put up 27, and just he came out firing. He was shooting as soon as the first quarter started. He put up 10 shots in the first quarter when he was in. But then, of course, they asked the question afterwards in the press conference and everything, of if they wanted to play together, if if uh, they wanted Shaq to become a Laker. And Kobe basically cut the question off and said, no, no way. He doesn't want to play with him. And so then Shaq, of course, had had to answer, respond the same way, saying, no, it wouldn't work out. But I think Kobe, and they were talking about it on uh, PTI today, and I think Kobe is wrong in that. He needs Shaq right now. If they get Shaq, if the Lakers had Shaq, they would win the title. Because right now they don't have Andrew Bynum. He's out. Paul Gasol and Lamar Odom are they're they're big guys, but they're small. They're they're forwards. Shaq, you get him back, and that'll take you over that hump. He can go against Boston in the East. He can he would dominate against Cleveland. I don't think the Lakers have slowed down anyway since they lost Andrew Bynum, and I don't think Kobe wants Shaq because Kobe likes being the Laker, the one in the spotlight. He wants to be taking all those shots. He wants to be the go-to guy. He wants to have the Lakers on his back. He loves that. He loves that spotlight in L.A. If Shaq comes, he's going to have to share it again just like back in the old days. Well, that's true, and that's the exact reason why Kobe doesn't want it because if Shaq comes back and they win, It'll be everyone will just attribute it to Shaq, saying that, oh, Kobe, you couldn't win unless you had Shaq. And that is far from the truth. I mean, it'll be Kobe's team this time, but everyone's going everyone's gonna to realize that it's because Shaq came back, that it got him over the hump. And I mean, who knows? Shaq is on the trading block, but so is Amari Stoudemire, and that's where pretty much all of the rumors are focused around Amari Sotomayor, the power forward for the Suns. He was a starter in the All-Star game. And, I mean, the Suns, they have a bunch of problems going on right now. They just fired their coach, first-year coach Terry Porter. They fired him four months into the season, his very first season. And, you know, they're not, I mean, it's not like the Suns are bad. They're 28-23, and 23, which, I mean, granted, they're not in the playoff picture right now. They're sitting at in ninth in the West when the top eight make it. But apparently the players don't like him. They like uh, the old coach, Mike D'Antonio, who, Mike D'Antoni, who, D'Antonio. <laughs> D'Antoni, excuse me. It's just natural to say that, who's now with the New York Knicks. Apparently 
it was a lot more relaxed when he was there. Like they didn't really practice. It was more of an NBA practice rather than actually having to get up and have structured things happen. And so they got rid of their coach and who they put in. Oh, the name's escaping me now. It's a former he coached before. I'll look it up. Oh, that's going to bother me now. But Steve Kerr should get a shot at coaching. Steve Kerr's the problem that that team has. I mean, Steve Kerr's the one. See, the thing is. He's had no experience, no previous experience, and they put him in that big exactly. position. And he's making all these moves to change this team around. And when they were at their top, I mean, they were they didn't play defense. They were fast. They just ran on offense, and it didn't work. They cannot get past the San Antonio Spurs, just plain and simple. That's they. The Spurs have knocked them out of the playoffs three of the last four years. Well, they, they lost. Uh, they traded a bunch of their role players, like Raja Bell. And you know, Sean Marion. And Sean Marion, absolutely. Those guys gelled well with the team, and why would they ever want to me- mess that up and break that team apart when it was working so well? Who knows? But that's that's what happened. And, I mean, Steve Kerr could could be in some trouble for it, but I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm just hearing here, Gentry is the coach. I could not could not think of the name. He's got a losing record. In in seven seasons, he was a former head coach. He's been an assistant for a while. I got to thank my roommate Mike for hooking me up with that one, and also reminding me that I need to turn off my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> minor minor detail there, but uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us and help me out with some information, ask any questions, you could call our regular number rather than my cell phone, which is four three two three eight nine three, or I am online. You can IM me the our Screen name here is Impact Sports Rap. That's on American Instant Messenger. I suggest you don't call in the next few minutes because we actually have a special guest joining us at 7.15. He's calling in. We have Coach Ken Manny. He's the head strength and conditioning coach for Michigan State. He is, I mean, he does phenomenal work with all the sports. He specializes in football. But this guy, I just want to talk about his rap sheet because I I got in contact with him and uh, Dr. Jeff Covan, the uh, sports medicine director for Michigan State, because of everything that's happening with Alex Rodriguez and the steroids and everything like that. And Coach Manny, he is, like, I never realized how into steroid prevention he he is. He's written over 200 articles and four book chapters on the various aspects of strength and conditioning, speed and power development, sports nutrition, motivation, athletics, and anabolic drug abuse issues. Now, anabolic drug abuse would be steroids. That's anabolic steroids there. He's he was also the um he was the narrator of the uh Royd Roulette, a dangerous game, an NCAA recommended educational video that they want schools to show freshmen coming in. And he just he talks, he's been a keynote speaker in lots of different places talking about steroids. Now there hasn't been a whole lot happening with the Alex Rodriguez. I mean, there's just a lot of speculation. Tomorrow is when everything's going to happen with that because he's holding the press conference tomorrow. And the thing is, I think he made a huge mistake because it was a week ago he did the interview with Peter Gammons on ESPN and came clean. So now he's had given all these reporters a week to come up with questions to ask him and try to pin him and try to try to see if he lied anywhere and see if he'll go back on things he said because a lot of people don't believe that he's been clean since he joined the Yankees back in 2004 because, of course, he claimed he used anabolic steroids. Testosterone and primobolin was the steroid from 2001 until 2003. So there's going to be just it's, – it's going to be crazy tomorrow when, when that happens. And then, of course, there's everybody – lots of different people are coming out with their – opinions on what should happen to people who are found guilty of using steroids, if they should be banned for a year, if they should, all their stats should go away, if their stats should be altered, and if they should make the Hall of Fame and things like that. So we're going to actually bring Coach Manny on right now. Coach Manny, how are you doing? Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Now, did you get a chance to see everything that happened with Alex Rodriguez? And well, obviously, I've been hearing things and, uh, you know, watching some of the news reports in the evening, Scott, and I'm um, getting bits and pieces of it from the Internet and so forth. So, 
anything new that might have happened today, though, I'm not quite up on. But uh, I try to keep as close tabs on, you know, any steroid or HGH stories, especially things that are relevant and uh, current, and stay up up to date with them. But maybe you could fill me in on something that happened today. Uh, there wasn't really too much today. Uh, a couple other guys, former teammates, came out and said that they think that he doesn't deserve a shot at the Hall of Fame, things like that. No, Jamie Moyer said that. There's somebody else believes that there's been talk of putting a one-year ban on anybody who tests positive. But really, I think the only thing that's going to happen is later in the week once he has to talk to the press. Mm-hmm. But now, you are very big in steroid prevention across the NCAA, across the nation. Now, can you just tell us a little bit about like your feelings on the issue? Like, How prevalent do you think the problem is? Well, I'll tell you, Scott, my um, my interest in it and, I guess, campaigning against it goes back, really back to the late 70s, early 80s, when I was still a high school coach and um, at that time doing clinics and so forth and just speaking with high school kids. And um, it was amazing how honest those kids were on their steroid use. And then I got to be... Uh, uh, a pen pal, so to speak, with uh, Dr. Yasalis from uh, from Penn State, who's done a lot of research in this area. And his re- research has shown over the years that exponentially, especially among that high school-aged athlete, both male and female, and really not just athletes, I mean the entire student body, uh, and really uh, non-athletes, the, the prevalence among non-athletes that age is very, very high. And... Um, that's where my interest started to to grow in the finding out just how prevalent this was and it it is rampant it's widespread um, I'm not sure it's getting any better recent surveys have shown that maybe it's tapered off a little bit but uh, things like this with these pro athletes only seem to escalate the problem with with the younger crowd and that's obviously where my focus is is with um, you know high school and also collegiate athletes and the pro athletes, that's a whole other ball game, and uh, their reasons for doing it uh, range anywhere from, uh, you know, they have an image deficit. Like, just listening to A-Rod speak, what, what, what did he say? What were some of his primary reasons for using that I heard in the interview he did? Uh, you know, after signing that big contract, he was more or less concerned that he couldn't live up to the expectations that came along with that contract. So to me, that... That speaks of an image deficit, and it's not so much the question they're asking, what if I do this? A lot of those highly paid athletes at that level are asking, what if I don't do it? What's going to happen to me if I don't do it? They feel there are going to be some negative ramifications in terms of their performance if they don't do it, which is a misnomer, obviously, in my estimation, but, you know, that's me talking there, so... But then over the years, and again, you know, going back to those days, way back in, uh, you know, you know, a couple decades ago, actually, uh, and then I just started talking to people that were doing research in it, and uh, I just kind of got on a campaign and a crusade against these drugs myself, just through the venue that I could do it, and that was writing and speaking, obviously. So that's how, um, you know, I got into it. Right. Now, we've got Coach Ken Manny. He's the head strength and conditioning coach here at MSU on the phone with us. Now, how much testing happens in the college level and even younger, if you know that, for, right. well, for there steroids? Are some, yeah, there are some uh, states that have uh, implemented high school testing, a few of them. Texas comes to mind, Florida. I know some other ones have been considering. Uh, New Jersey comes to mind. Uh, and actually, I, I think it, it might have been uh, Texas that started it. It might have had to drop it recently because of the high cost of it. It's probably not feasible from a financial standpoint, especially in this economy now, uh, for high schools to run year-round, unannounced, random drug testing for steroids. It's very expensive. Uh, it's upwards of $100 per test, at least uh, you know that's the going rate that I know of. And to do that on a year-round basis, I mean, it can be very, very expensive. So uh, not, as, not as much at the high school level. Um, at, at our level, you know, we're going to test all the kids when they come in as freshmen right off the bat and um, for steroids and obviously up for other illicit street drugs as well. Right. But um, And then from that time on, it, when you go into bowl competition, uh, any postseason play, it really in um, 
any sport, really, you're going to be tested for steroids for the most part, as well as, uh, you know, probably some illicit street drugs as well. And um, from that, then we go on suspicion. You know, we really, if we suspect a young man in-house or, or even a female athlete, male or female athlete, of using uh, any anabolic drugs whatsoever, uh, you know, we have the right to uh, to test them. And, um, you know, if, if need be, we will do that. Okay, and what's what's the punishment? Is it something that's done by the NCAA, or is it every individual school has a different Well, in-house, system? you can have your own rules in-house. Um, okay. You know, you can uh, – the, the first can be a suspension for X amount of time. It could be for the season. And if not, if they're not in season, it could be for a certain duration of time. Um, uh, if it's from the NCAA, you're going to be banned – you're going to be uh, – on a one-year suspension if the NCAA catches you. And okay. if, you, if it happens again, uh, you're going to be dismissed. That, that's uh, the end of your, your college eligibility will be taken away. Wow. Now, you work primarily with the football team, correct? That is correct. So can you take us through like just your regular, let's say, before classes start in the summer, a regular workout that you have the team do? What what would you do for these guys? Is, is it weightlifting primarily, or what do you do for them? Well, in the summertime, Scott, leading up, uh, let, let's say we're talking about June, for instance. Okay. okay and we're, we're maybe eight weeks out of camp. Uh, we will have a combination of agility drills, speed training drills, football-specific footwork drills, that and uh, and those will be held anywhere from three to four times per week along with three to four days of lifting per week. So basically during the course of, of uh, you know, Monday through Friday, they're going to get three to four lifts in, and they're going to get a minimum of three and maybe sometimes even four of some type of running workout, which will change. The emphasis will change. It might be change of direction. It might be hill running. It might be uh, some sprint mechanics work that we do. Uh, it could be uh, some football-specific work that we try to, you know, hone in on their positions and make a conditioning-type environment out of them working on their uh, footwork for their specific position. We call that just a skill pattern training, um, and that's a typical week. So there's a lot of there's a lot of work there involved in in one typical week without, you know, getting you know overly into it in terms of uh, step by step, but. Right. Each workout that we do, whether it's a run or a lift, is going to take approximately an hour. So any one of those run workouts I just spoke of are going to take approximately an hour. Any one of those lifts that I talked about are going to take approximately one hour. So the kids are putting in a, you know, a good work week, and uh, that's you know very similar to what's going on right now with them, too. Okay, and that's just with you. That's not even with their skill coaches, with their position coaches, with everything else? Well, in the summertime, they're not permitted to do any work with their individual coaches, so okay. it's all with me. Okay. And uh, right now, it's all with me, too, until spring ball, which, you know, we start, I believe, on March 20. I'm just throwing a number out. I think it's March 22nd or somewhere in that area. Uh, we start spring practice. So uh, until then, they're with me and, uh, and my staff uh, doing uh, those types of activities and those types of drills. Now, how do those workouts change once the season hits? Do you have to back things off a lot or just well, change? Well, the weight room work, we, uh, we cut back on the volume in the weight room just a bit um, in terms of total number of sets being done. And uh, we'll cut it back to the to the guys that are playing. I normally go by how many plays they're getting in a game, whether and it's a combination of plays being on uh, special teams and also, uh, you know, offense, defense. And forgetting – you know, 50 or more plays, which is, you know, quite a, quite a load. Right. Uh, we'll cut them back to two days per week of lifting, and uh, we'll make sure that we emphasize both of those will be total body lifts, but one will be an upper body emphasis, and the other one will be a lower body emphasis, even though we train the entire body on those two days. Um, kids that get less than 50 plays for, per game, they might be some kids that get Maybe a handful of plays. Maybe they're just on special teams. Maybe they just get about 20 plays. Maybe they get 25 to 30. Um, but it's not as significant. Maybe only ended up being, uh, you know, something like, uh, you know, five plays or so per quarter, five or six plays per quarter. We'll let those kids lift three days per week because they're not, they're not getting 
um, you know, the amount of reps and games that some of those uh, other guys are. So they, right. can, they can take another day from a recovery standpoint. And those are usually younger guys anyway. Right. So you want to accelerate their development a little bit more. That makes sense. We've got Coach Ken Manny. He's the head strength and conditioning coach at MSU. Works primarily with the football team. Now we've got the NFL Draft Combine coming up here in the next week or so. Uh, of course, we've got some seniors going Javon Ringer's in there, Brian Hoyer, other seniors. How much have you worked with them recently, or have they moved over to work out facilities in other places? I know there's big things in Arizona and things like that. Yeah, uh, those three guys specifically, um, Javon and Brian and Otis Wiley, uh, have gone uh, off with their agents and, and doing some things with them for the first few weeks, and they're coming back. They said they were going to spend uh, the last couple weeks um, prior to Pro Day, uh, our Pro Day here in town with us. Um, they're probably going to stay with their agents right up until maybe a week before the Combine or so, which is coming up real soon here. Yeah. Um, and probably, you know, they'll probably get a little downtime before the, the Combine actually starts. And then uh, after the Combine, um, you know, those guys are going to come back and train with us. We got... Uh, and also, there's a few kids here in town training with us right now. Okay. We've got Brandon Long training here, Ryan Allison. All um, right. You know, those guys decided to stay up here. Um, so the guys uh, that wouldn't really be yeah. the guys that wouldn't really be going to the combine necessarily, but would still be showcased during pro day. Yeah, primarily that. So the you know the combine guys, um, and I, I can understand what what they're doing too because. Um, you know, a lot of times an agent offers them a nice warm weather place, pays for all their meals, uh, you know, gives them a daily stipend, um, you know, to go out and about and do things. So it's it's pretty tough to turn all that down, especially if they promise them they don't have to pay it back at the end. That's that's the key thing that I encourage them. I say make sure it's in your contract right. when you sign with these guys that you don't have to pay all these expenses back if they're going to offer to wine and dine you and, and train you somewhere in some you know, warm climate area, that's all well and good. But just be careful that come, you know, when you actually sign the dotted line on your contract that that, that was all an amenity and that you don't have to repay all that because that can be very expensive. I've seen guys get caught in that trap. Right, that would that would not be very fun. No, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big surprise that you don't want to see on your, uh, on your bill. Right. Now, of the guys entering the draft from Michigan State, who do you think is going to impress the most people at the combine and at pro day? You've got you've got that up close experience. You know their workouts. You know you have a general idea of the numbers that they think, can put. Yeah, out. I think a lot of guys are going to do very very well. I really do. Um, even even a couple of our bigger guys like you know Jesse Miller, Roland Martin. I think those guys will show well. I think numbers wise, just as far as you know, pure measurables. You know, in terms of, you know, running your 40-yard dash and all your shuttle work and, uh, you know, vertical jump, long jump, et cetera, all those, um, you know, all those standardized type drills that they do and test. I think, you know, I think Javon Ringer will, will be, obviously be one of the guys that's really, really, you know, going to show up big time and show the big numbers. I think Otis Wiley will do well. Um, and the big guys that I mentioned, too, I mean, I think those guys for, for their position, you know, for offensive linemen, yeah. will also show very, very well. I think Brandon Long is going to show very well. They're looking at Brandon as not so much a defensive end like he played for us, but more so as an outside linebacker. Brandon's weighing about uh, 255 right now. Okay. I timed him in the short shuttle yesterday. He ran a 4.16, which is outstanding, you know, for a guy his size and, yeah. uh, you know, for a guy that played um, – you know, defensive end and, and is actually looking to go and has actually gained a couple pounds and is looking to go to an outside linebacker position. So I think he's very athletic, will show up well. I think Ryan Allison, uh, who again they're looking at as an outside linebacker, the NFL people are, um, I think he'll show well too in all his, um, his measurables as well. Well, that's, that's great to hear. I mean, I love seeing Michigan State guys go through the draft to get, get on NFL teams. We've had a, a great history of that in the past hopefully everything works out well for them in and in, in pro day in at the combine oh, i think well i think those guys, those guys are really going to do well and uh you know we're looking forward to pro day here on campus and uh it's going to be um 
it's going to be a good showcase, not only for those kids, but for the program as well. Oh, definitely. Now, Coach, I'd like to thank you for your time and thank you for your opinions there on the steroid use and that problem. Now, one last question. How do you think, what's it going to take to rid this problem that we have with the steroid use, getting back to that issue? Well, you know, Scott, you know, it's, um, I tell you, if you look at the Olympics, at least on paper, I mean, they take the best approach to uh, to doping, you know, as a whole. Um, you know, they 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 have a two year suspension for a first offense. So, in other words, if you test positive for any kind of anabolic substance, and by the way, HGH now they're 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 starting to get to the point where they have a good urine and blood test uh, upcoming here that can detect HGH. It's still, it's still got to go under the scrutiny of test, retest, reliability, but okay. they're getting real close on that. But anyway, look, you got a two-year suspension for the first offense and a lifetime ban, okay? Yeah. A lifetime ban for the second offense. So it's two strikes and you're done. Now, NFL, NHL, NBA, uh, they've been at least, you know, respectable in what they do. They give appropriate suspensions for first and second time offenders, and then you're going to get a long term suspension, and maybe even a lifetime one, you know, for a third offense. It all depends right. on, uh, you know, where you are in there. Major League Baseball has been the one that has been lagging severely in this area with, you know, they virtually had no teeth in their testing program whatsoever, you know, prior to these recent years and all these, uh, admissions of guilt and then all the tests you know they went retro on and went back and tested some old urine samples and you know who knows what's going to happen in the Barry Bonds situation and some other instances so a lot's going to happen there but I, I really you know they should be held to task for all the years of just uh, wavering on it and um, paying lip service to drug testing and uh, that's why they're in the fix they are now that their, their years of hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil has led them to the bind they're in now. So now they're paying the price for all those years, Scott, of trying to pretend like, you know, it wasn't there, sticking their head in the sand. Ah, and there's going to be more to come. I promise you there will be more guys that come here. Oh, I'm sure. And there will be, there will be more admissions because, and the reason there's going to be admissions because the guys are going to have to come and be forthright about it because if they're not, someone else is going to be like a reporter or, 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 you know, someone from the media is going to find out about this. And um, so there'll be more to come. I will not be surprised. I'll be disappointed, as I was in the A-Rod situation and many of the other ones, uh, you know, prior to. But uh, there's going to be more to come, unfortunately. That's sad to hear that, but in knowing that it's going to help hopefully clean up things, that's... What what we need to have happen. So I guess it's exactly, exactly bad and but I, good. We all hope that that's the final result of it. That we finally, you know, uh, and I don't know if we'll ever get a handle on. It. I don't think that we'll ever truly get a handle on it. Uh, gene doping is the next thing that's looming on the horizon, and it may have fact been in place, um, you know, in this past Olympics at Beijing. And what gene doping is is actually, you know, taking really. Uh, DNA markers from, uh, you know, uh, highly successful athletes and injecting them into other athletes. And over time, these things uh, can help you become yourself a better athlete. So wow. there, are, there are so many things that those uh, that unscrupulous biochemists are trying to do to detect. And that, that's the hard part. See, Scott, staying ahead of the chemist who know what they're doing, know how to manipulate these structures, and know how to beat the testing. And, yes, there are people out there that can beat the testing. They know what they're doing. Right. They know how to manipulate the compounds to an extent where the the, uh, the compounds or drugs, chemicals, whatever you want to call them, still have their effect but are very, very difficult and some impossible, like these designer steroids, the THG that came out several years ago. Mm-hmm. They're called designer drugs, designer anabolics, and um, and it, we no sooner we no sooner find one, okay, that you know we're afraid that maybe five to ten more have already been developed and are flying under the radar. So right, it's right. tough. You got to stay. You got to have good people that are staying ahead of it, and your testing program and procedures have to stay ahead of the game as well. It's it's amazing, unbelievable what things, what science is doing nowadays. 
hopefully. Yeah, hopefully for the good can... and bad. Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. Well, thank you so much, Coach, for your thoughts there and your knowledge. I mean, I had no clue about the whole gene doping there. That's unbelievable. Yeah, that, that's a new one, and that's uh, that's one that hopefully – I know Dr. Usalis had told me that he was hoping that it had not been, uh, you know, ready to go and uh, been taking place with maybe some of the athletes in Beijing. We'll never really know. I mean, it's going to be tough to find out now unless we go back. If we can ever find a test for that, which will, it'll probably take too long to find it. Yeah. And then we'd have to go retro and and look at those urine samples from you know this past Olympics and. Uh, but then, you know, it, it's already water under the bridge that it's done. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, right. you know, what do you do then? So gene-modified athletes, they may be walking around out there, okay? Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, and, and, and detecting that is going to be very, very difficult. Wow, that that is crazy. But, well, keep up your great work. I know that you've been doing great things going around talking talking to people, giving conferences, writing things down, trying to help in the prevention. I think knowledge is one of the best ways to fight it, and I know that you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job with all the athletes here. Hopefully they have some good performances, the football team, coming up with the Combine and Pro Day. And oh, they will. They I get... promise you they will, Scott. They'll, they'll, show, they'll represent us very, very well. We're very proud of the work they put in over the four or five years they were with us. And uh, now it's their next step, and... Uh, I think a lot of them are going to take it in a very admirable fashion and, again, represent the green and white extremely well. well. That's the best thing we can hope for. Coach Manny, thank you very much for everything you've had for us. Hey, Scott, thank you. And anytime, uh, just let me know if you want to talk about anything else, okay? All right, take care. Good luck to you. Thank you. All righty. Take care. Wow, I had – I. I honestly had no clue. Like I, I've done some research in the past about steroids, anabolic steroids, and things like that. I did my senior project back in high school. I did on steroid use, but I had I had no clue about some of that stuff. I mean, Pavel, you were you were just sitting there taking that all in. What the yeah. the gene doping is for another generation of sports that we are not even at that point yet. We're not even ready for that generation of sports yet. I don't know if I can even era. wrap my mind around that idea. I mean, I I understand where it's coming from, that's, but that's just crazy. If if I just went up and I grabbed, like, one of LeBron's hairs and could get the DNA from that, and that, I mean, I, wow. Simply wow. I mean, but I do love the things he had to say about the football players. I know I, I forget, lots of people always forget about the seniors the not-so-high-profile seniors like Brandon Long and Ryan Allison, they're still trying to make it into the pros, and that's great. I mean, those guys, I could see Brandon Long being an outside linebacker in, in like a 3-4 Pittsburgh Steelers, New England Patriots-type defense. I mean, who who do you think is going to do? I mean, obviously, we've talked for a while about Javon Ringer's going to put up some disgusting numbers, just his bench press and his vertical leap, at least. Who Who do you think is going to have the best? I have to go with uh, Brandon Long. I think he's got the build for it, and uh, he does have that kind of linebacker's kind of uh, body, and I, I think he could do it if he's he's put on some weight, some muscle weight, and uh, really running the combine well. I, I'd say if he does well in pro day, he could really improve his stock. Definitely, and that's something fun. I've never seen the pro day here, but hopefully, I'll be able to. I was there last year. Is it just? A circus or not so much since it's uh you know it was actually really cool because i was there covering it and every single nfl scout is there from every team and they're wearing their you know, respective polos that say you know patriots or whatever else and they each have their own timers and they've got their clipboards they're writing down notes and all these you see these msu players kind of sweating because they're looking at these guys writing notes about them you know and you never know they're if it's good just or bad. nervous you never know if they're good or bad and last year you know i was impressed with like john l st deke he was really lean and quick but he never was drafted right you know and last year a guy antonio smith tried out in the nfl combine if you remember xmc yes. basketball yes, player definitely. he tried out and he just he was not very impressive at all that's sad sad so, to see that but guys like uh, you know like J.U. Kulkrick tried out, and um, uh, Travis Key. I'm forgetting a whole bunch of names here, but 
Irvin Baldwin. Irvin Baldwin, Terry one. Love. Yeah, yeah. So all of them. And I actually overheard Terry Love talking to a Pittsburgh Steelers scout and promote, Terry Love promoting himself. And he didn't really have much uh, to promote. You know, he only caught <laughs> maybe like 10 passes his entire career. Well, and also you got to think, these guys are also hoping, most of them realize they're not going to be drafted, but they can still sign on as free agents. Yep. And undrafted free like agents. P. Clifford and uh, J.U. Kulkrick with the Cardinals. There's exactly. the Cardinals last year. Exactly. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Rep here on The Impact, 89 FM. He's Pavel. I'm Scott. We're here with you every Monday night. Now, we we just had Ken Manny, the strength and conditioning coach at MSU on, shared a lot of information <laughs> about steroids and the football team, the workouts they go through. I mean, I know you, you talk to any football players, and they the freshmen complain about, Coach Manny's workouts because they've never been through anything so tough. I remember Fred Smith when he first got on campus. The first week, I think he lost probably about ten pounds just because Coach Manny was putting him through a lot of a lot of work there. But now but Fred Smith overall though he didn't play much because he was uh, still overweight that's when true. it was all said and done. That's true, and that's also why he has not been close to the basketball court, which lots of people thought might happen. Now I want to go back. Uh, just a couple things on the All Star NBA All Star Weekend. Now, the West won the game, one forty six to one nineteen. It wasn't even close. I mean, the West, you you didn't see it, so I'll explain it to you, Pavel. They had guys. Okay, the East only had Dwight Howard. He was their center. They had Kevin Garnett as a power forward, and apparently Rashard Lewis is playing power forward. He's basically he's six ten, like two twenty, and he was he was checking up Shaq. Shaq got over on 100 pounds on him, and he had to guard him. It, it it wasn't even funny. And then, I mean, the West could have brought in a line of, let's see, they could have gone Tim Duncan, Shaq, Amari Stoudemire, Dirk Nowitzki, and Pau Gasol. They could have had five, played that way. Every single one of them would have been taller than everybody on the East, and they would have had to play that way. It just wasn't even fair. And then Chris Paul is just... He is unbelievable. He had 14 points, 14 assists, 7 rebounds. Almost got a triple-double in an All-Star game. You know, Chris Paul did that last year in the All-Star game, too. He was just going nuts with his passes. He he is unbelievable to watch. He's a playmaker extraordinaire. And then... It just gives you hope for what Kalen Lucas could do in the NBA someday. 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 Couple, couple years away, yes, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. Yes. But then also, of course, everybody's talking about the slam dunk competition. Now tell me you at least saw some highlights. Pavel. No. Nope. You you didn't see anything. I was in a cave. Jeez. Well, I saw it. It was it was Valentine's night. I was out with some friends. We went out to a local establishment. Uh, I was also out. Yeah. Well we were but I was no, out, with, out with a few guys and having some fun watching watching the game or the competition while having a few few drinks there and Dwight Howard was not as impressive as I wanted. Because it's all the pressure of trying to repeat. How many guys have you know. seen repeat? There's not you, a few. You're trying to come up with something fresh, something new, and, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. You always see the guy the guy who's coming out of nowhere to win it, always. You know, Vince uh, Carter... Nate Robinson wasn't coming out of nowhere. He's a past winner. No, you, you saw him last, last couple of years... He jumped over Spud Webb. You remember that one? He yeah. He jumped over That's Dwight funny. Howard this time. Did he really? That's how he won it. He jumped over Dwight Howard. <laughs> Dwight Howard went along. He put on his Superman cape, and I mean Robinson jumped over and put on a green jersey, green shorts, green shoes, green ball. Got the kryptonite for Superman and threw it down over him. Nate Robinson did Superman. Yeah, he did. He went kryptonite. He oh, was the kryptonite. Gotcha. All the green. And Dwight Howard, he pulled out a second hoop, raised it up to 11 feet, and I was I was excited. And then all he did was just just dunk it. Jameer Nelson kind of messed up the alley oop. It rolled off the front of the rim, and he simply dunked it back in. So it was like, yeah, you can jump high. We already knew that. You're six ten, and have a vertical of 35. Yeah, if he could dunk it in one hoop, pick it back <laughs> up through the net, and dunk it in the second hoop. <laughs> In midair, in one jump, that would be amazing. We need to get that idea down to him. <laughs> so, I mean, somebody, Darrell Summers, try it. <laughs> get a mini hoop, and that'd be it'd be impressive. No, you know what? Who won the MSU team? Would win the MSU dunk? Would win the MSU slam dunk well, contest? They had one on Midnight Madness, and yes. I think Darrell won. 
Darrell Summers over Chris Allen. I like Corey Lucius's chances. With Austin Thornton. <laughs> I've seen that man get blocked by the front of the rim trying to dunk it. I'm telling you, Austin Thornton, he's going to bring it. If Nate Robinson can dunk, Austin Thornton's got it. Okay, I'm going to stop you right know. there. That is not even not even close to working. I know you uh, you are a big fan of Austin Thornton. No offense to him, but I don't see him jumping over anything. Okay, okay I'll give you a more realistic okay. winner. Tom Herzog. He's got a dunk. He doesn't even have to jump. Okay, the reason Nate Robinson wins is because he's 5'8". He's, he has to jump so high, he has all that hang time well, where he can do all the moves. How about Tom Herzog tries to dunk from his knees? That'll be even like Nate Robinson. We're moving on. Uh, we're moving on. <laughs> we're just, I'm a little delirious. Just, you are. Slow you are. Sleep. Now, what I want. one thing I did want to talk about, like, okay, they had some decent guys. Rudy Fernandez was in it, and I was just like, okay, whatever, he's... The guy from Spain, yeah, exactly. And J.R. Smith, he's he's been in it before. But I want LeBron James said that he's preliminarily putting his name in the running to be in the slam dunk competition. I think they need to just get the best guys. You can just go out and get LeBron, D. Wade, Dwayne Wade. Uh, he can throw it down. Get Vince Carter from back in the day, because <laughs> I don't think he can still get up as high. Blake Griffin from Oklahoma. He can't. See, you got to get the smaller guys. Dwight Howard was a freak of nature, because he can still jump really high, even though he's big. You need the guys that are like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, have the big verticals so they can make the moves in the air, like Dwayne Wade or Vince Carter back in the day. I mean, Andre Iguodala was one of the best big men who could you dunk. You could probably do Kobe. Kobe could dunk it. Yeah, that that would be the other one. one. Or just have they were they were talking. There's some other show. They're talking have a tournament where guys people just try out, pick the best people, not even pros, just across the nation. Have them come in and get the best dunkers. Period. Anderson Verjao, Cleveland Cavaliers. You are ridiculous, Pavel. He's like uh, sideshow Bob from Homer from uh, The Simpsons. Just just plain <laughs> ridiculous. I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> Think of the best dunkers in the league. You come in with that next thing hey, you're going to say. I gave you Kobe. Yeah. One good one. He also <laughs> said Austin Thornton and Tom Herzog. What about Marquis? He could dunk. Marquis can throw it down. But he does it with authority. He doesn't have any like finesse moves. He's, he's not style. He's all power. Now now that we're talking, talk it, we'll get back on something that I know hopefully you can talk about here. Big Ten basketball, Michigan State basketball. Yes. I, I have faith in you that you can help me out here. Now we we jumped up to number six in the AP poll. Um, I mean fifth, fifth in, in ESPN. Depending, I, I was always actually surprised. AP. I thought we were going to be six or seven. Well, a lot of teams in front of us lost. Louisville got rocked by Notre Dame. Duke lost to twice. Uh, yeah, twice to who was it? Boston College and Boston UNC. College, UNC looked Wake really lost. good. Exactly. I mean, there's teams that are going down, and we, Grant, we only played one game. We beat Michigan. And UCLA, what was were we? UCLA, we were in front of them in the AP, behind them. But they lost. They lost. They lost twice to Arizona and Arizona State. Yeah. But I mean, this team, we beat, we beat Michigan back on Tuesday, and we beat them by 12. And it, it seems it was so long ago that it hardly seems relevant. So we'll talk about it a little bit. 54-42 was the final. Delvon Rowe had his first career double double. Big Ten Player of the Week, Delvon Rowe. Really? Co-Big Ten Player of the Week, yep. Wow. Absolutely. That That's amazing, especially in only playing one game to get that award. He had a fantastic game, though. He was the first half, he was the difference maker, by far. And that first half, I mean, people, I was talking to friends and family, and they're saying, oh, it was a great game. And then I talked to my dad, and he's like, wow, that was a really ugly game, but they won. And that's that's the best way to put it. That was an ugly game. I mean, Michigan scored 15 points in the first half. They shot, what was it, 16 of 46 from the field. I mean, 4 for 24 from 3. It was terrible. They even shot poorly from the free throw line. And, I mean, granted, our defense was amazing. Coach Izzo said himself that Travis Walton, if he didn't prove that he's the defensive MVP, then he doesn't know what to think. Because the job he did on Manny Harris who was leading their team and scoring, averaging seven points a game, held them to seven points. Granted, it was there, there were, were other players. There were a lot players. of ugly shots thrown up by Manny Harris. Yes. 
And, you know, it's typical of MSU to play at the level of their opponent. You know, they're never going to just blow them out of the water. And, but Michigan State, you know, they controlled it most of the game. There were a few runs by Michigan, but Michigan State came right back. They made the shots they needed to make, and they ultimately, you know, they ended up winning the game, and that's all that counts. And that's that's exactly it. We led by eight at halftime, and then the closest Michigan got from there on was five points. They only led once, and it it seemed like it was a lot closer. Like, they got to within five, but the way that game was going we had it in hand even when they got within five. I mean, Kalen Lucas came down and hit a huge three to bump up the lead for us late in that game. And then he hit free throws. He ended up scoring 15 points. But now this week, we have we have a tough week. This week we have Purdue tomorrow. I know you were pouring over their stats there, and you're going down to the game yep. tomorrow. Now, they've got Robbie Hummel back, but we also get Raymar Morgan back, we think. He can. He's cleared to play. Is that what I've been hearing? Yeah, he actually practiced three fourths uh, yesterday, and he is shooting. He actually pra- practiced pretty well. Thomaso said today, and he's going to give it a go. But I, I wouldn't say he'd play more than maybe twelve, fifteen minutes at most. Now, so, how much? How much do you think we can get from him? <clears throat> You know, I think he's one of the best guys as far as off-ball screens, as far as setting up the offense, and I think Ty Mizzle would gladly use him for that and maybe sub him out on defense. That's what he used him for back. Which game? It was a home game. Was it Ohio State or Illinois? No, it was Penn State. Penn State. That's it, right. It was Penn State because Raymar would come in for just like you know a couple of seconds for that one defense or offensive possession to set a screen and. You know, we just turned it over and couldn't get it, and then we took him right back out. So, All right now, Robbie Hummel, the preseason Big Ten Player of the Year, he's a forward for Purdue. He has a hairline fracture in his back, in the fifth vertebrae of his back, which, is, I mean, to me, sounds like a very serious injury. And he's walking around with a broken back. Essentially, he's got one big brace that limits his movement when he's not playing basketball, and a smaller one. Now, if he's playing. I I don't know I don't know that I would want him out there. I mean that's gotta be so painful. If he tries to back down anybody and they actually body him up, that's gotta be just torture on him. I think you get Travis Walton on him if he's in the game and you have Travis Walton wear him out, that he's gonna wanna come out. He's gonna have no choice. Hummel's gonna be worn out, he's gonna be in pain and he's gonna be fatigued because he is sort of out of shape, too. He's not the best condition since he's right. been gone. So I think Travis Wallen will wear him out, will be on him, just like he was on Manny Harris, and I think it's going to force Hummel to sit down and get somebody more effective on the court for Purdue. I also I like that, but if Hummel tries to go down low, put Quise in the game on him. Marquise Gray, have him be big and physical and not let him get any any thing going down low if he tries to go into the paint at all. I would even put Draymond Green in there because Draymond right. Green is the best guy to set you know a charge, plant his That's feet true. That's true. and draw a charge. So he's the one guy who has consistently done it all year. And you know the three years I've watched MSU basketball, I haven't seen a guy consistently, you know, work at setting that, you know, trying to draw a screen or trying to draw a charge. Right. Yeah, that that was my other thought. And he's also another big physical player. And then we come back home over the weekend. We play Wisconsin, which Wisconsin, they they are a strange team. They lost six in a row, the most that Bo Ryan's lost in a row before. But now they've won four. They're, they've won their last four. They play Indiana, I think, on Thursday as a warm-up for our game. What do you, what do you see happening there? They've had, I mean, Tucker for them, or not Tucker, excuse me, Landry has just been he's he's been playing very well i mean marcus lane he let he led them with 17 points in their win over ohio state back on saturday night you know uh msu is catching wisconsin at the wrong time because wisconsin's uh got their confidence back they're playing like they should have been the whole entire season it reminds me of wisconsin football you know at the beginning of the year they were highly ranked they went to fresno state won that big game they're ranked like 15th in the nation and then they lost on the against that comeback in Michigan, and their season was just completely lost. And they, you know, sort of regained it 
close towards the end of the year for in football, and they made a bowl game. But still, this this team is back, and it worries me because Michigan State has not been as dominant at home as other years. And right. al- actually, also in that game on Sunday, they're actually honoring the 1979 national championship team for Michigan State. Oh, really? It's the 30-year anniversary. Of course. And Magic Johnson's going to be back, and the whole team's going to be back it's for Sunday. Pay. So everybody's going to be back. Should be a special game. And uh, if everybody wants to get tickets and see Magic and Kelser and everybody back. It should be a fun day. Absolutely. Fun day for the whole family, even. Not not just for students. But, yeah, that these two games, they're, they can still decide. It's not like we've got the Big Ten wrapped up by any means. We're... A game and a half up on Illinois, and we're what two games up on Purdue. Purdue, and then and Ohio it. State. Ohio State fell back because they lost to Wisconsin. To Wisconsin, and you've got Ohio State, Minnesota, and Penn State all grouped together there. I think if Michigan State can win tomorrow at Purdue, they'll be in the driver's seat. I think so. I think after that, you know. We they, still have to beat. We still have to beat Illinois. That's the key. I but think. the thing is, if we beat Purdue, then that knocks Purdue three games behind us. And if we even if we lose at Illinois, we're still going to have another game ahead of them if everything works out. So I think if we have a two game lead going into Illinois, then we got nothing to lose, and we're going to go out there and play better than we would when you know the pressure's on us. Could could very well be, but I this is definitely a week that if we win both these games, I think we are. I mean that puts us two and a half games up on Illinois, three games up on Purdue, assuming that they they each win their other games, and that that's huge. Or excuse me, it put us we'd still stay the same with Illinois. I was thinking we play them instead of Wisconsin, but that's later on. Now I'm looking here. I just pulled up the bracketology on ESPN, and it's getting close. I mean, March isn't that far away anymore. We've only got a few weeks left in this season before the conference tournaments, and Joe Lunardi does this for ESPN. And I didn't realize, last year, he predicted every single team that made it into the tournament. He got all 65 teams correct. So, I yeah, I had no clue that I just thought he was some guy like, like Mel Kuyper is the expert on the draft, how, and he's did, never right. How did he predict Georgia winning the SEC tournament? Winning four I'm not, games I'm not in four sure, days. I'm not sure how long before the thing started he did it. That was probably automatic bids. He he left out. He probably the uh, like the conference champions. He just probably put a slot in like Big Ten tournament champion goes in. He got all the at large bids. I I assume is what. Yeah, but you said he had all sixty five right. Right. So he probably waited until after the conference champions were announced. All the tournaments were over, so he knew those ones. He didn't predict the winners of the games, just which teams, when all the games yeah. had been played out, which teams would make it into the tournament. He has us as a two seed right now, going against, or going in the West, playing in Dayton with Pitt, Pittsburgh as the number one in that in that bracket, which I really like. I mean, we've beaten that Pitt team before, essentially, and Pitt is in a very tough game right now. They are actually playing UConn. They are up three. Pitt is up three on the number one team in the nation, UConn, 36-33 at halftime. That game's on ESPN. They play each other twice in the next few weeks here to end the season. That's going to be that's, huge. That's always tough. That's going to win. That's going to determine the winner of the Big Big East regular season. Oh, I'm sure. Right there. And Dwan Blair, I'm looking. He has 15 points, 13 rebounds already. Now that is a battle of big men, Blair and Hasim to beat for UConn. And UConn, of course, is out with Dyson, their point guard, is out for the rest of the season as surgery on his knee to repair his uh, torn meniscus. Yeah, but it's a different pit team. They have uh, a big freshman who's uh, helping inside. And Dwan Blair, man, he he can score his points and then give it up to the big freshman to spell him and give good minutes. So they're they've always they're always a tough team. They always play very physically. And then I want to mention it. Somehow the women's team isn't ranked right now. They're three spots out. They are tied for first in the Big Ten. They're tied with Ohio State. They beat Indiana in overtime. Uh, Alyssa DeHaan went for 20-10. and 10. Lakendra 
Johnson had 10 points, 10 rebounds. Aisha Jefferson almost got a double-double. I think she had 18 points, 9 Maya rebounds. Jo- Maya Johnson had a really good game, too. She did, coming off the bench. Yeah. They have four games left. They play Michigan, who's 10-15 and 15 at home on Thursday, and go to Wisconsin, who's 15-10 and 10 on Michigan's Sunday. Michigan's 3-11 in Big Ten play. Yeah, they are not very strong, but it should be good. Hopefully they can win out those four and win a share of the at least a share of the Big Ten title. It's great to see that season turn around. They were in a rough patch for a while, but things are really rolling for Susie Merchant and the women's basketball team. That is it for us. I'd like to thank Coach Ken Manny for calling in, sharing his insight. You can tune back in next Monday night for another episode of the Spartan Sports Wrap. For Pavel, I'm Scott. We're going to toss it up to the Jazz Spectrum now. See ya. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.